It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. You're listening to BGN Radio, right here on BleedingGreenNation.com. Back goes Foles, he looks, he is firing for the end zone, and it is caught for a touchdown! Zuckerts! 15 yards! Put it up there, and Hurts right underneath and made the catch. That's the matchup. Well, the Giants were down at the Eagles 42, and now they are backing up all the way to their own 44. I promise you, that'll give Tom Coughlin a red face. Keep them going backwards, and they're soon to arrive at the baseball stadium. Manning with three receivers. Back goes Manning again. He steps up. He's got him again at the 41. Vinny Carey has a sack. Foles takes the snap, gives it off to Sproles, tries to turn the corner. He's at the 10. He's at the 5. He's in for a touchdown. Darren Sproles behind a block by David Moore. Ran 15 for the score. It is another Duncan Philly victory party once again, and we've said that five times already this season. I hope that keeps going because I love free coffee. And just just a reminder, one of the best ways to celebrate an Eagles victory is with free Dunkin' Donuts coffee. Dunkin' Donuts in the greater Philadelphia area runs the Eagles win. You win program. Fans can score a free medium hot or iced coffee the day after each Eagles win with a special offer on the Dunkin' Donuts mobile app. Just download the app and give them a follow at Duncan Philly on Twitter or on uh, Facebook for more information. And it uh, it tastes delicious today, as uh, I wouldn't expect a shutout. Uh, I, I predicted a blowout, but I'm very happy with the result of of everything that happened uh, just last night. Uh, what you heard in the beginning was, of course, our fellow friends over at the Eagles West Nest. They had a blackout party uh, down in uh, around the Phoenix, Arizona area. A lot of crazy 
things happening there. Uh, big blackout party. And speaking of blacked out, uh, one man that was completely blacked out after the wonderful uh, Eagles victory last night. And we bring him right now is Mr. Mike K from BleedingGreenNation.com. What's happening, buddy? Hey, man. How's it going? <laughs> I, I, uh, I would recommend maybe an orange juice for you, sir, and hope you're feeling better. Uh, but, of course, uh, also joining us on the Reaction Show this week, as always, from our Eagles, Mr. Matt Daring. What's happening, pal? Hey, man, the uh, the Eagles, they are 5-1, and one, but they could be 0-5, so you better look out. <laughs> it's very true. We'll get uh, JPP's uh, math calculator out here, sir, to make sure that that is correct. But, uh, Mike, i got to tell you, I mean, this was this is what everybody kind of needed to see, just a, a full victory here. Um, a, a shutout hasn't happened since December 1st in 1996. I don't know even know if Matt was born uh, at that point in time, but um, it was – it was it was just something that everybody needed. I thought the crowd was uh, crazy. Connor Barwin, uh, somebody must have sold his sandwich because he went nuts as well, along with the rest of the defense. What was the uh, the most exciting parts for you last night? Well, you know, I, I just like that the offense flowed from the from the jump. I mean, that was that was kind of impressive. Those first two drives were terrific. We spoke off air. I'll give you credit for that. You were like, uh, well, I think Matt said that the first two drives were, were great. Um, you know, it was just kind of nice to see them all in sync. It, it was great to see Shady back. I mean, Shady's, you know, what makes the offense go, at least we know now in this game. And, uh, you know, I, I just, I love the defense. Connor Barwin's my favorite player on the team. So for him to really step up and get three sacks, which is kind of crazy when you consider, when you think about him, cause you don't think about pass rush first with him. I just thought that was really impressive. And I thought the whole unit in, in general, I think Nick Foles, even though he had two really horrific interceptions, played a decent game that, you know, interceptions notwithstanding. Yeah. I, it, and he did. And, um, it, it just, the you know, O-line cohesion kind of made everything better. I thought David Mulk had a pretty excellent game. I thought he was moving out a lot quicker uh, than he has in the in the past couple of games here. Shady obviously looked great. There were some times early in the beginning where it was, again, noticeable that the burst is, is just not the same. So I, I still think there's something going on there. But 22 carries and 149 yards, you can't really be too upset about that. Matt, I mean, like there was... A lot of things out there. Uh, tight ends played great. What did you see out there that you really liked last night? Yeah, I think it starts with the blocking up front. I mean, Jason Peters, we all know what he can do. Um, Matt Tobin was sort of eh for me, but David Mulk, I felt like they were finally using him correctly. You know, I've been on the Mulk train, which oh, yeah. is, uh, you know, it, it's a weird place to find yourself if you've ever woken up there. It's it's a little strange, but you, uh, I, I think that I think that if you use him right, he can be a real asset. And we saw it. I posted a gif of it earlier on Twitter. Um, you saw him sort of pull and then and then just sprint out to the edge. I mean, this guy can move. This guy's got serious wheels. He sprints out to the edge, throws himself at the safety, and Darren Sproles is a touchdown. And it was really it was that simple. Yeah, he um, threw some really good blocks. Really, really impressive speed for a guy that size. Because you're talking this is a 300 pounder. I mean, he's not Jason Kelsey, but I think he's you know pretty close in terms of uh, athleticism, especially out on the edge. Um, but I also got to say, we watched Brent Selleck and, the, and they highlighted on the broadcast. Brent Selleck squared up with JPP a few times and came out on top. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't say enough about that. JPP is he is large and he is he is typically in charge. But, you know, you put a tight end one on one on him and it's you know, it's just it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when. But Brent Selleck was really mixing it up in there and played excellent. I mean, just uh, can't say enough good stuff about the blocking. And I think it really paid dividends because we had a great night on the ground and in the air. Yeah, and it just like the – not only in the run game, I just thought the in pass protection, Nick had 
all day to throw pretty much the whole time. There were a few times where our old friend Colin Jenkins was able to sneak through there. But, um, yeah, overall, just a, a fantastic performance. Darren Sproles in with the, uh, the you know, the kind of the capper of the touchdown. The only problem is, and I guess we're hearing now both from Howard Eskin and from Jeff McLean that it is an MCL sprain. Um, they're looking at it about two to three weeks, which, again, I just feel like the Eagles can't catch a break here. It seems like, okay, we're going into the bye and everything is, you know, starting to get healthy and, and this will help it, you know, uh, heal up some guys with some injuries. And then, Mike, you know, the, I mean, Darren Sproles out two to three weeks. Do you expect the Eagles to kind of maybe possibly make a move in the bye week here to get some more running back depth? I mean, I can't see how they're going to put Trey Burden out there, you know, if if Shady were to go down. I don't think that's like a, a doable thing. I could see him being a short yardage back if you're cool with Polk being back and you trust his his health status. But I, well, I don't know why you wouldn't bring up Matthew Tucker now that you get into a question of who would you cut, who would you put on IR, what would you do with, you know, uh, it kind of puts them in a bind because Kelsey doesn't come back probably till uh, November. So off the bye, you would have to figure out if you can afford to cut uh, Dennis Kelly um, or or Wade Smith, and I don't think you can right now with either, with the way the uh, the team's luck has been. Uh, so you know you just what about kinda, Taylor Hart? I would think that Taylor Hart. Yeah, Taylor Hart. I you know I was never a fan of his. So I mean to me it would make sense. I mean they haven't really used him. Um, I think he's, I don't know if he would necessarily get picked up. He didn't really have like a special preseason or anything like that. That would make sense to me. I mean, Jalen Watkins got some playing time last week, so he probably earned that in practice, uh, or he got some playing time on Sunday. So I don't see them cutting him. Um, you know, they already only have four safeties. So, you know, it really comes down to, Hey, what do you think's a priority? What, you know? I feel like I'm talking in circles here, but I do think Matthew Tucker would make a lot of sense. Yeah, so Matt, I mean, do you, do you see anything else that they need to kind of attack here? Well, I think a lot of people are going to say that uh, inside linebacker is is concerning, but I kind of thought that Casey Matthews has really shown up. He's he's playing fine. You know, he's about what you'd expect from a guy who's been in the league this long. But I mean, he played uh, he played pretty well. I don't think uh, I don't really think that there's any reason to panic as far as that's concerned. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he. <laughs> I mean. He had two, uh, two I think, pretty big standout plays. Wasn't one was definitely near uh, Giants territory. I think he whomped uh, Andrew Waters or Peyton Hillis or whatever non-running back that the Giants are currently have there right now. Who I thought, and that's the other thing too, is I thought Andre Waters is going to be a problem. Uh, I said Waters, didn't I? <laughs> I mean, Andre Waters would be a problem. Yeah, he, he would be a problem. Here, Andre. Yeah. Andre Williams, however, was not. Uh, but um, I, and I think that's a that's more a big credit to guys like you know Fletcher Cox, Benny Logan had another humongously strong game. Just the entire front seven, who again was supposed to be this huge issue, is starting to come. And I don't know really how much. I know the players are saying, and Chip has said that it's really not scheme. It's it's the way they're winning one on one battles, and and I feel that. But there's also a part of me that's just like, ee, it's the Giants offensive line and uh, you know the boy from uh, Central Rock South there uh, yeah Justin Pugh was uh, was was heavily <laughs> abused all night so how much of that should you we take in and be like okay well maybe the pass rush isn't a big deal and how much is that of poor offensive giants 
play. Well, well, John, I mean, and Matt, uh, I think <laughs> I think the Giants were actually doing a pretty good job up until that point. They were getting kind of like rave reviews. And um, honestly, last night I thought Eli held on to the ball way too long. I mean, yeah. we talk about Foles holding on to the ball way too long. He didn't really help his offensive line like the uh, strip sack by Connor Barwin. Um Eli held onto the ball for way too long because Pew had Bar- Barwin dead to rights, and then he uh, Eli moved right, which is a, we all know is a no-no from watching Nick Foles, and Barwin just spun around and knocked the ball out. Like that was, you know, there were plays like that all night where it seemed like the 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 offensive the Giants' offensive line was doing an okay job. I think thought they they. Uh, they blocked well for the run, for what it's worth. I mean, there was uh, Williams had a couple of uh, big runs, but yeah, pass protection wise, I think it was a kind of a rough night for them. But I don't think they're a bad unit by any means. I don't think, I don't think you take this one as oh they played a weak opponent. I think some of Barwin's sacks came from hustle. I mean, uh, there were some really good blitzes. Billy Davis called a really good game. I mean, yeah. I, I really have nothing. I, I think it was more on the Eagles being on their game. I thought the cornerbacks actually played relatively well for the most part too. I mean, I mean, there was a couple of plays where they probably went back and I know, uh, D'Amico Ryan's got killed on, on one like long throw, but yeah. third, yeah, 19, it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Third 19. But, uh, you know, the, other than that, I don't, I, I thought the defense was flawless. I mean, if yeah. you're an offensive line and the defense is getting home and, and the coverage is good. There's only so much you can do. I mean, Fletcher Cox was a beast last night. Cedric Thornton was a beast last night. I think having Ryan's there gave them a lot of confidence. I'm not trying to play up the leadership thing, but I do think that it helps knowing that he's there. I don't you know, even especially think it, in the run game. Yeah, I don't even think it was a leadership thing. I just think he was Ryan's was making the right calls at the right times. You saw it. You saw it a couple of times. You know, when they were showing blitz, he recognized that Eli was checking off. They went into a zone. And you know, stop them. I think it was on the uh, the unfortunate Victor Cruz, um, uh, yeah, knee injury, which happened on the very next play. Uh, that was hard to watch. Yeah, that was terrible. Yeah, it was. And we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit too, because I have some comments about all all the crap that's been surrounding uh, d- that that whole thing. But Matt, yeah, Matt, what did you uh, see out there uh, defensively? Uh, well, I loved it. I thought it was great. I think um, we were talking about this off air, but I think that the defense has played pretty much better every single week. So by the end of the season, yeah. they'll probably be the best ever. But um, <laughs> no, but I, I do think, I mean, what did I say at the start of the season? I said, I wanted to see some progress. This is my number one goal is I wanted to see, wanted to see young guys play better. I wanted to see the veterans play better. I wanted to see everybody looking better from week to week. Um, and I think that, you know, when you're talking about in the second year of a new coaching scheme, uh, as far as the defense is concerned, I think that now is when you really start to see guys take big strides. You know, we're see, we're getting into uh, about 18 months now under Billy Davis. And I think that the defense is, I mean, this is playing as, as well as I can really remember it going back to, you know, 2008. It's probably the last time I saw the defense playing this well, yes. you know, and, and they're they're just killing it. And they and they keep getting better. I think that's the best part as uh, it really, it really warms the old heart. <laughs> yeah. It's just like that's the thing that I, I, I just could never really get behind um, in the entire offseason, especially nationally. It was like, well, if you just look at the numbers here and you can tell that uh, this team is obviously going to regress and go 8-8, eight eight, which, which if you go by the numbers, of course. But if you're thinking about this, of just like, okay, if it's the second year of a new system where there's guys that didn't really fit and now they're understanding their roles here, then you add a couple of like, you know, little snowflakes here and there to kind of ease everything in. I just don't see how this team could have regressed completely. 
Um, I understand maybe the maybe the Nick Foles thing. I'm not going to get into that too much because I thought he played a great game. But, I, you know, the offense finally corrected all of the injuries and stuff that happened for the first few weeks. The running game's back. Shady's didn't look like he was pressing the entire game, and it's obvious by his stat line. I just think that there is there's too much good coaching for this team to regress. Um, now, watch, I'll say that, and it'll be ended up being, you know, lose five straight or yeah, something. Yeah, thanks but, a lot, John. <laughs> but, yeah, John, come on, man. But, but, but well, I mean, come on, man. I, I'm You got to feel confident when you see it. I called a blowout. It happened. The Giants aren't as good as everybody was pumping them up to be. It was just, it was just too much hassle here. But uh, uh, and that's one of the one of the things that we're talking about too is is what what do you do with Brandon Graham? Is that something that you're going to possibly extend during the bye week? Do you do you need him around here, or is that just an impossible thing that could happen right now, Matt? I'd love to keep him. I don't know if he'd stay. Um, and I, we were. T- we were talking about that off air. Okay, here you go. Mike Mike doesn't think he will stay. Um, I'm sort of on the fence. I guess it all depends on on who he is and how he feels here. Uh, but as far as Graham's concerned, I mean, he's obviously he's a three four defensive or sorry a four three defensive end, uh, and he's playing three four outside linebacker. He's sort of had some growing pains. Now he seems to really be coming into his own as an excellent situational player. I'm not sure what you'd have to do to get him to stay. Um, if it's just an absolute deal breaker that he can't play with his hand on the ground, I'd completely understand. If it's a matter of money, I'd completely understand. If it's a matter of who's here or how much playing time he's going to get, I could understand any of that. But I would think that the Eagles would be dumb, and I'm sure that they agree, to not consi- to not open up the lines of communication with his agent and say, look, we'd love to keep Brandon. We think he's great, and he is. He's great. He's playing just amazing. Um, the other the other factor, of course, is that there's a, f- there's a bunch of other players that are all up uh, or all should be getting extensions shortly, like guys like Kendricks and Cox, uh, Thornton, um, people and, like that. And rightfully have, so, yeah. Yeah, and and, and of course, uh, Jeremy Macklin also is uh, is uh, on his, on the last year of his one-year deal. So, uh, sorry, Jeremy Macklin is on a one-year deal. Um, so I would think that extending Brandon Graham would be great, but I'm not sure if it's going to be a priority. Um but if you don't extend him, I think you go into the next offseason with a serious problem at outside linebacker. Um, you know, I would say if, you, if you're really looking at the situation, the guy has never really been able to be a consistent starter here. Um, he's blocked half of e- half of the Eagles fans that are on Twitter. Um, <laughs> going to contract negotiations, though. Oh, yeah. But I, uh, he, he has me blocked. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, but I'm just saying, like, maybe he feels like he, 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 yeah, maybe, maybe he feels like other people, you know, like another fan base, a good, like a fresh start would be nice. I mean, now, if he racks up eight sacks off as a situational player, then you really have to give him money. I mean, you know, the, the question is, does he take another one year deal this offseason? And, like, you know, if he's guaranteed a starting spot, if they cut Trent Cole, Maybe he does that and then he takes a long-term deal. But the problem is his luck, the way his luck has been in this league, he's got to look for a long-term deal from the jump. And I don't know if the Eagles are going to give him the money that he wants. Because if you look at what happened with Macklin, Macklin took a, had to settle for a one-year deal because he didn't like the long-term money there. Um, Nate Allen was offered nothing, essentially. Came back, got a million dollars and a one-year deal. So, you know, there's two... You know, it's two sides of the coin. Do you want to get money when you know you can get money? 
or do you want to get big money if you can get big money? You know what I mean? Yeah, I guess, I, and I can see that. I don't think that he would. I don't. In that light, I don't think he's going to you know sign an extension in, during the season. And the Eagles would definitely have to make a play during the offseason because there's no way that he isn't going to check out the free you know the free market, especially if there's a four three four three team out there. But I mean, if they do. If they do want to replace him with Trent Cole, I don't understand why you you know why you wouldn't make the, that play for him. But is that a real possibility? I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, I, I I don't I don't just from a coverage standpoint. I mean, granted, Trent's not that great in coverage either. I I don't I just don't know. I don't even know if you could trust it if you were Brandon Graham uh, for them to cut Trent Cole. Well, then they could turn around. They have really great draft positioning for Vic Beasley or whatever, and then they draft Vic Beasley, and then you're like, uh-oh, well, I signed this money, and I'm still a situational player. So if I were him, I'd go out and test the market. There's absolutely no way I would sign before free agency started. That that would be foolish in my opinion. But, you know, you bring up other guys that need extensions. Right now, The I don't know if they're going to pay Foles. I don't know if they're going to pay Boykin. I, well, here, I know they would try to pay Boykin, but I don't know if he would accept it. And, feel, yeah, you know, I must feel like that's a similar situation with a Brandon. Right, know? exactly, yeah. Yeah, you're right. And and with Trent Cole and, and things like that, there was actually a couple of times where I saw him rush up the middle and had uh, Marcus Smith covering. I thought that was really smart by Billy Davis to do that. Um, also, just I, I don't think we can say it enough because we're re-watching the game as we're talking here, and Connor Barwin just destroyed <laughs> Connor Barwin destroyed everybody last night. And how fun was that to see, Matt? Uh, I've not always been the biggest fan of Barwin as far as his pass rushing skills is concerned. But uh, last night he really made me uh, seem pretty stupid. And a few people on Twitter really let me have it. So, you know, good for me. He just owned Syracuse alum, Justin Pugh. I mean, he really, <laughs> he really, really owned him. Like there were, Justin Pugh, I've always thought would be an an all pro left guard for some reason he's playing right tackle and getting owned by uh again Connor Barwin who's not really known for his pass rushing but his spin move was deadly last night on both pass rush and and the running game he had some tackles for loss uh he was everywhere it was uh it was really fun to see I mean I don't know if we've had a pass rushing you know effort like that in three seasons because if you remember Trent Cole only had like th- I think it was three and a half sacks the uh, Andes last year and we really didn't get a lot of pass rush in the last two years. But Barwin, I mean, in one game has more sacks than JPP probably will in, in 10 games. Because at this point, I think he's got, what, one sack? And he looked, he was stood up by Brent Selleck last night. So, yeah. you know, that's that was fun. <laughs> yeah, it's a, especially when, like, you know, all the stuff surrounding this game, uh, all the trash talk beforehand, and even like the thing that kind of semi went unnoticed is the fact that the Giants completely stomped all over the Eagles logo after warmups and, you know, made, made sure that the Eagles were off the field before doing so. Um, and then just I, I don't this is what I don't understand about about the New York media, and the media in general. And it's not that I'm I'm not going to stand here and defend Mike Missanelli. I don't really know what he did or didn't know or saw. It looked to me like it was evident um, that he was really jabbing at, at Victor Cruz, whether he was watching the game or not. And it, it, regardless, it probably shouldn't be tweeting about it anyway. But, you know, people kind of grab onto that thing and uh, take different pictures and be like, oh, look at how look at how bad this Philadelphia fan base is constantly. It's it's a, a humongous 
pet peeve of mine, and I rant about it on Twitter all the time. I think it's utterly ridiculous and irresponsible for people to always jump on that train. But Monty Jones, who I am have humongous respect for, and guys like Brad Wells, who used to uh, do uh, over at Stampede Blue. He was the editor-in-chief over there. I love those guys. I think they're great. But you see that kind of stuff on Twitter just kind of pop up and be like, well, it happens a lot in Philly. I'm not saying that everybody's nasty or this guy represents a Philadelphia fan base, but it seems to come up quite often. Well, you know the other things that don't come up quite often, the whole story, one, um, the fact that it happens in literally every single sports city. Every single city has a Mike Missanelli, uh, some dumb schmuck that starts a fight in the, you know, in the, in the stands, um, and and sometimes even worse. I mean, you know, you hear all about the things in San Francisco and Los Angeles and Oakland. There's gang activity surrounded by all that stuff. That's not exactly something I'd like to, you know, feel quite comfortable walking into a stadium for. I know that there's a reputation that's there from the built in from the seventies, the eighties, the nineties, all that stuff when the vet was around, when the spectrum was around, when all that stuff was here. As soon as those things got demolished in two thousand and two thousand four, and all just kind of all that surrounding. The things that went with that reputation started to die out slowly. I actually think Philadelphia is a pretty progressive city. I don't think that gets noticed a lot. Um, and I think it's very, very lazy for people like that just to attach whatever they want uh, because one dumb idiot you know, says something or does something wrong, and then they don't go and report on the other major things that happen in every sports city. There is no difference between the Philadelphia sports fan base and anybody else that's a diehard rabid. You look at Cleveland, and that gets celebrated. It's the same way over here. You look at Oakland, it gets celebrated for the most part. It, uh, granted, they get made fun of too, but I, I, guys, I just think, and I'm, I, I, I really am at just wit's end with all this crap. Um, why do you think that the, the Philadelphia fan base gets crapped on and pigeonholed so much? For one, it's a major market. Uh, you know, you get stuff like that, but then if you look at what's happened in Santa Clara the last couple of weeks, one dude has brain damage. I don't know if you guys have seen the video that's, I mean, I'm sure Matt has because he's got his finger on the pulse of the internet community, but um, uh, dude's got brain damage and two guys are getting charged with, I believe, uh, manslaughter. So in a bathroom at, at Levi Stadium, uh, when I was at the stadium, two guys in a luxury section got into a fight and were thrown out. Um, you know, I, I think... I think people like to think because Eagles fans have an, a certain attitude and a certain history that it's it's a problem. Yeah, they heckle fans. Yeah, whatever. Who cares? But you're not seeing them knife a guy in the parking lot. It's just it's, it doesn't happen. That's completely West Coast, which is kind of funny because they're supposed to be a lot more chill than the than the <laughs> East Coast. But um, you know, I mean, I, I go to I've been to a Cardinals game and, and seen guys get the hell beaten out of them. There, oh, was, yeah. there was a video that was going around the Internet where um, a guy choked a security guard. So a Cardinals fan had to come in and punch him in the face. It was week, uh, week two or three. Of this yeah. Year. Yeah. I mean, what about it, um with the Jets game? The guy brought a taser to the game. Yeah, right. Exactly. I mean, this is not. <laughs> Detroit, they're, they're bringing you're bringing in laser pointers and flashing them <laughs> in Kyle Orton's face. Like it's just, oh, yeah. it, it doesn't happen just in Philadelphia. That's well, and, and I was in a place too where I couldn't hear the crowd necessarily. Did they did they cheer or boo uh, when Victor Cruz went down? Because they, they I went had, quiet. They, they got yeah, they went quiet. quiet. Right. Yeah. See, so I mean, you look at that in comparison to Kansas City, where they cheered for Matt Castle to be injured. 
Yeah, and he was on their own team. I mean, I love how all that gets swept under the rug. But Philadelphia, they you know, they make a a glaring statement once in a while, or the or the cartoon that was so asinine. I mean, oh yeah, it's like the it's like the fifth of five you know little Eli cartoons that I've seen, and and this is the one where you got Jimmy Johnson being like, "Well, I just don't think that's appropriate." Well, I mean, well, I don't even know why this was national. Like, you like I that? Why, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, that was pretty good. But here's the thing. Like, I understand that, uh, you know, given the current social climate, that that could offend some people. I'm not, I'm not. Oh, man, that's that. a stretch. No, 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 no. It is yeah. a stretch. It is a stretch, but I, I understand people's sensitivity to it. That said, it was a stupid cartoon that wasn't even that good. If the cartoon was good and really funny, then I could understand why this would be a national story. But it was a bullshit cartoon. Who gives a fuck? Like, really, it, it, it's it, I understand that, that there's some sensitivity to it because of all the stuff that's going on in New Jersey. But really, what I mean... This yeah, but cartoon, was, a, probably, this cartoon my, was probably done weeks ago. It was, and the story about that came out after the cartoon, for the most part, as far as the like national national everything. I don't even know if it was. Here's the thing between the difference between a cartoon Eli with a children's voice and having players haze you by sticking fingers up your anus and then making you eat them with that. That to me, like I don't know how you get there, and I don't know how you get from. Uh, that cartoon to Ray Rice either, and and that's what I hate about most New York media is they they blow it up and they do it for the clicks, and I eat it up. I eat it up. I get mad. I get upset. I was just like, that's such a humongous misrepresentation, especially the Daily News coming out with the the Eagles staff members saying like, oh yeah, he's really pumped that uh, Victor Cruz is hurt, but that was literally right after the it was an incom- ruled an incompletion. I, I, he had no relevance of or no awareness of what was happening. And then the very next photo that I think the USA Today got was him kneeling down with the rest of the players, hoping that he, he's okay. And they make this thing out of nothing, and they act like, oh, well, Philadelphia's a scumbags, look at them. And then it just kind of carries on, and nobody nationally really ties that down and says, I, I think you're wrong. But I, I do got to give a shout-out to the mothership at SB Nation, the NFL um, they were they cleared everything up today, and I thought that was very respectful. Same with USA Today, um, I, I, but I just don't think it happens enough nationally. I, I, this is really a cry. To, I mean, like I doubt any of them are listening. But when guys like Mark Madden and guys like uh, Sid Rosenberg and and all these disgusting people that have radio shows, at the very least, even if Mike Missanelli was cheering for Victor Cruz. It doesn't matter because there's one of those in every city, and you don't go after them. I think it's very hypocritical to do that. To do that type of thing. So, John, I think a lot of people say the definition of art is something that evokes emotion, and it seems like it's really worked here for you. Oh yeah, yeah absolutely. I I hate it. I, I've hated it for for the last. So it's working. I mean, years. I don't see how you. What's the What's your problem? What do you mean? So like, uh, you know, they say like art is something that evokes emotion, and this has clearly made you very emotional. So. It seems like a successful piece of art. And I'm sure if you ask these people who, who are who are just awful people and full of shit, they would be like, oh, it's just art. It's performance art. It makes you mad, doesn't it? Yeah, well, you know. Yeah, no, it evokes emotion. That's for sure. I mean, you know, <laughs> me, I'd I prefer, guess. I, I mean, I'd prefer... <laughs> I'd prefer Mike the Miz uh, dress up like a like a sad clown. I think that'd be a little bit funnier. Yeah, for me, maybe but, uh, maybe something like oh, that. Oh no, that'd just be sad. <laughs> then it's you. It know, would, it but it would evoke emotion. 
I just wanted to say that um, that I think that it's funny that college college sports gets let off the hook for a lot of this stuff, you know, because uh, you 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 show up to, to college sporting events and you see like some really bizarre stuff and some just truly odd and awful behavior. And, you know, you don't really hear a lot about it. You don't hear about that, like psychopathy poisoned those trees down at Auburn or, um, yeah. you know, just all the different fights or, you know, you have like college students like college age 18 year olds that are getting so drunk they're pooping on themselves in the parking lot and <laughs> i mean that is that literally happens like every week across the nation and yet but you know here we got like some guy didn't make the right face at the right time and that's the problem yeah yeah and i and that's again that's that's the huge issue for me here you know i don't i don't want to and it, it just kind of i don't know it ruined all the the good feelings i had coming in this morning and, and seeing all this other stuff but Still happy, um, for, you know, for everything that happened. I think the play of the game for me, getting back into the game here so we don't have to uh, drown that out, is definitely the the first touchdown from Nick Foles to uh, Zach Ertz. Uh, perfect throw, perfect catch. I mean, like, that was, I don't know, well, I don't know, perfect, semi-perfect throw. It's where you had to put the ball. And the, the glorious part about that is the DRC's in coverage, and I didn't really hear anything more, but, uh, did did he have an injury and just not want to come back or test it or any anybody know what happened to him? Yeah, he said uh, he had back spasms and he he didn't return. He he left. They said he was walking funny as he left, uh, okay. um, and that was the last I heard of it. But uh, getting back to that catch, I thought that catch was incredible. I mean the the yeah. body control for Zach Ertz to sort of turn his body while he's reaching out, the hands on that. I mean he just he like squeezed that ball like it was his only friend in the world. I mean, that was just an incredible, incredible piece of, of athleticism there from from Zach Ertz, who's really uh, we've been calling for him to have a good year. And it looks like we're, we're right on the money. Well, what I thought was funny is the two guys in the famous zero uh, <laughs> picture <laughs> yeah, both yeah. gave up touchdowns last night. James Casey's touchdown. If 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 uh, Amuka Mara could run. Oh, that was fast. great. I, I loved it. He was running. He was running in the same direction and speed as James Casey, but about 15 yards down the field. Like, like would he have been, you know, does he think that that's how this goes? That, you know, you just, if, if I just run at the same direction and speed anywhere on the planet as this person, then I'm probably covering him and it's probably fine because <laughs> yeah. James Casey well, just, James Casey just ran right into the end zone and Prince, you're nowhere near him. You aren't taking the right angle. You, you're never going to catch him. You're running exactly parallel to him. Yeah, it was really it was it was an odd <laughs> thing, but you know what? You know it happens, and uh, you know I I got to make fun of the license plate guy nice. just a bit, and uh, <laughs> I called him out quite a bit, and uh, you know he was a good sport. He came back to me, and I said, you know, he could come on to be uh, BGN Radio, you know, because I'm an ambassador to the brand, and I asked him <laughs> if he'd come on. After he blocked me. Oh, nice. And, uh, okay. <laughs> luckily, other people, you know, got out the uh, – because he blocked me because I said, hey, DRC, how many uh, uh, how many points did your, your offense score? And then I put the picture under it. And uh, he oh. basically just said everything went wrong via Twitter. So he, he unfortunately couldn't make it today. Um, but at least he was – yeah, at least he was a good sport. And, you know, I understand when you talk a big game – you know, and it doesn't happen, you know, John. <clears throat> but yeah, no, I mean, I, th- I thought it was funny. Everybody in that picture really lost last night. And that made me, that made, that was kind of better than, than uh, the shutout to me is that all three. Oh of them yeah. Well, I, I loved watching Antrell Roll lose that guy. Uh, he's just become my least favorite player in all of the NFL. I mean, I don't care if you're talking about, I mean, you got other clowns like D'Angelo Hall, but Antrell Roll, he talks so much and it's just, he's got the biggest, poopiest diaper I can really imagine in the NFL. 
Like that guy, someone's got to go and change him because he is just crying and crying and he's keeping everybody up. I just love it. I loved it. Yeah, I mean, like, as I had said, I just think that, you know, Prince maybe needs to spice things up in the bedroom, maybe to get uh, get some more, uh, more, th- more of that <laughs> energy. Uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, final thoughts real quick, guys. Mike? You know, I'm excited about this win. It's nice to have a go into a bye after a complete trouncing of your division rival. And uh, the Giants play the Cowboys next week, which... You know, hopefully uh, the Cowboys are smelling themselves and lose to the Giants. You're probably going to be pretty mad after being blanked by the Eagles. And then um, so then the Eagles will take the division lead into uh, week what week eight. And then that will be, you know, the Cardinals game. And I'll be at that game. And Dan Kloster will be joining me out there. So I'll be I'm pretty excited about it. I'm, I'm excited about the next couple of weeks because of this game. Uh, yeah, really good game. Uh, let's do it again. Don't change a thing. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Um, yeah, I just think that this is this was one of the more important games of the year. You're 5-1 and one into the bye. Everyone get healthy. Let's start getting excited uh, about this football team because things are starting to come together. Everything's starting to improve week by week, and you got to be happy about that. So uh, for myself, John Barchard, for Mr. Mike Kay, and for Mr. Matt Daring, we want to thank you all for listening to BGN Radio right here on BleedingGreenNation.com. You've been listening to BGN Radio right here on BleedingGreenNation.com.